Blog Talk Radio. We are so excited to have you listening to NABWIC, the National Association of Black Women in Construction Blog Talk Radio Show. Please call, text, or email family, business associates, or friends and tell them that we are on the air right now. Or they can join us on the internet by logging in to www.blogtalkradio.com slash NABWIC or by phone at 714-459-3918 and press 1 to join our conversation with questions or comments. Please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Don't forget to follow us by liking our page and post your questions or comments. NABWIC's intent is to always go into the high schools and colleges to encourage our young black girls and women to enter into the construction industry and to take interest into the STEM programs that are offered. We encourage you to listen to this show or past shows on the Internet by logging in at www.blogtalkradio.com slash N-A-B-W-I-C. My guest today is Lorna Anderson, and she is a PMI Certified Project Manager Professional with an extensive and successful career in the design, implementation, and management of complex programs and projects for Fortune 500 companies. Lana has focused her career in the information technology field and has seen many technology changes and seen how technology has enhanced business operations over her 20-year career. She has started her own company, Graywood Consulting, and is working with her team of experienced project and technology consultants to help businesses operate and use technology efficiently. Graywood Consulting is located in West Palm Beach, Florida, but works with global clients and projects. Welcome, Lorna. Well, thank you very much, Ursula. So, how did you get started in the technology industry? Well, I was a, uh, I majored in mathematics in college, and um, at the time, we didn't have a formal computer science uh, program at the school, but there were a number of computer-related classes um, I could take, and, uh, you know, being a mathematician, just really got interested in in technology and how computers were working, and um, so majored in mathematics, but then uh, got an internship at Xerox Corporation, um, and um, then started doing some programming, and from there, my career evolved from programming to management to project management. And when you look back over your career, what did you find most rewarding? So most rewarding for me is when we have a, a, I, I view my projects as jigsaw puzzles, essentially. And so you have a, a jigsaw puzzle, you have an idea of what the picture should look like. Sometimes it's a couple of thousand pieces, um, you know, relatively, and you have to put all those pieces together to really uh, make sense of what the big picture will look like and um, where you need to um, go to complete um, the deliverables or, or the vision. Sometimes it's, it's, as, um, it's as high level as just the vision to start, and uh, we have to, you know, really drill down and, and figure out what it is we need to deliver and, and how, when, by when, and, and sometimes put a budget on it. 
So for me, it's problem solving, which is my strength from, of course, being a math major and being in the sciences field. Now, you made the transition from corporate America to owning your own business. What was that like? Well, it, it's been a challenge um, because my company is still relatively new, and um, but most of the um, the challenges I've had are, are, you know, business development and going out and closing contracts, the sales side of it, and then along with the accounting piece. So, uh, you know, for me, numbers are not a problem, and, and managing, you know, my checkbook and, and uh, things like that is not a problem. But when you get into the more detailed um, accounting principles that are required for small business, um, of course, that is where I've had to hire people that really know what they're doing. So I think I've found a good team now, and uh, so that's going a lot smoother. But I think that was one of the, the biggest challenges. So as far as, you know, uh, defining a project and, and taking people through the project manager, project management process, and finding other project managers to do work and coaching them, that's, of course, my strong suit. But where I've had the challenges, of course, business development and um, and some of the accounting pieces. So in finding and building your team, what are some of the challenges that you found in finding those unique people? Well, um, some of it is uh, uh, by chance, and, and I'm hoping that's how we'll we'll segue into the whole Mabwit discussion because I have met a lot of, of great, great people, uh, great ladies in Mabwit that have been um, very helpful in not only just bouncing ideas off um, as well as uh, doing some of these things I, I mentioned that I struggled with a bit. And so that's been nice. Um, but, um, of course, I had a a core team of project management professionals that I had worked with in the past and and um, have them uh, ready and, and uh, ready to go on, on projects as we get things ramped up. So that hasn't been the challenge, but more so, um, you know, just really getting out and meeting people and, and seeing where somebody's a good fit for something you might be looking for. So how did you get introduced to NABWIC? Well, I met... Anne McNeil, the founder, at a uh, luncheon, and, um, and for for anybody that knows Anne, um, always an interesting conversation and a uh, a delight to speak with. And she mentioned Nabwick. I think she actually had a Nabwick shirt on that day. And uh, I reached out to her after the luncheon and uh, got in touch. And I th- I think she invited me to one of the she did actually invite me to one of the billion-dollar luncheons they have in uh, South Florida, and I went to that, and that's how I got involved with the organization. I just saw the value, and and I could mention met some really good people, and um, just um, have been a member ever since. Now, what do you remember about the luncheon? Because I have not had the opportunity to attend my first one yet. So, what is it really like? So the luncheons are really good because um, you usually have a speaker that's focused on a specific industry, and they're from an organization that has, you know, one, two, or three billion dollars worth of projects coming up in the near 
future, um, if not already um, underway. And so that in itself draws um, not only people from NABWIC that are business owners, but it also draws um, other agencies that are interested in doing business with that um, with that organization or that um, entity. So not only do you have, you know, subcontractor business owners that um, are attending the meeting or the luncheon, you also have primes that are attending because they also want to get to know about the projects and what's happening in the near future with that agency. Mm, nice. Now, when we were preparing for the show and I realized that you were in this industry and that I actually spent some time in IT myself uh, <laughs> with uh, GTE Data Services, in fact, and went from programmer trainee into management up through maintaining code, supporting code, and writing new code and then installing those systems um, for for various systems around the country. And that was a really wonderful time. And there are so many little stories that I have about that experience. Um, one of the things that, that comes to mind is I came face-to-face with desire meets opportunity. And what I mean by that is that I ran around the office telling everybody that I wanted to travel. This was a company that sent people everywhere. They had a footprint from Florida to Hawaii. And and so everybody knew that I wanted to travel. And I finally got my chance to travel um, because someone got married and they had to have someone to fill in. Well, I, I knew the system so I could do it. And when they asked me, could I handle it, (laughs) I knew I had to say yes, but I was scared to death. And I got to go on my first trip. But what I remember about that first trip, oh, Lord have mercy, we we went to San Angelo, Texas. And that's where the beef is big. It hangs over the plate. And I was there for 11 days and gained 11 pounds. (laughs) Really, <laughs> so I had to learn how to travel. Oh yes, yes, you do have to be careful. Somebody would have to teach you, but that was a lesson that I needed to learn on that first trip because I ended up taking a lot of wonderful trips, including three trips to Hawaii, two weeks each. So, um, working for a large corporation can be exciting, and um, so how do you find well, first of all, tell me about some experiences that you had and compare that to what you're going through right now, both um, good and bad. Well, um, so I, too, uh, I love to travel. And, uh, of course, when you raise your hand to travel for work and, um, you know, you have a management team that really needs people to go different places, they're, they're happy to send you. And so, uh, yeah, I was able to go on on a good bit of travel, not only within the U.S., but outside the country. And so I worked on um, quite a few projects internationally, and and that's why um, it was mentioned in my um, bio that I do uh, work on global projects. Because particularly in the IT space, 
we now have we're you know we're at a point where a lot of resources are um offshore or in you know other countries such as um India or uh, Bulgaria or China or you know a, a whole host Costa Rica a number of places and so um I worked on a lot of projects where the IT services were being um provided from different locations around the world and so and you know at least initially when you're starting the project it's always good to go and meet um the individuals and get to know them or at least the key people so that was always a treat for me because I got to go to a lot of those places so um it's um it's i think it's good uh i think it can be interesting like you said you do have to um look at work life balance because um you know you can be out uh, spending a lot of time working and uh, everybody thinks when you go on a business trip it's all glamour and but you end up working a lot more too in in some cases um but then you have the odd trip where you get to go to Hawaii which I actually had a project in Hawaii and, and spent a good bit of time there um that's always a special treat so i think i i wouldn't trade those experiences in for anything um because i think you know they were at, at a good time in my life when i had the flexibility to do that so now um i i'm a little less inclined to do that type of travel um on a regular basis but uh still enjoy working with teams in different locations and um you know hearing about what's going on all around the world and how they're using technology because um uh, even though i worked for a company that was a global company when you went into different regions they might be using similar technology in different ways. And so that was always interesting to me um because of uh, there's different laws around data and how it's used and um you know and sometimes there are different versions of uh, of a software module or or um or a system and and it it's used in different ways in different countries just slightly. And so some of those nuances are always interesting to me. As I mentioned, I'm a problem solver. I like puzzles and I like uh, particularly when my projects are a little more complicated, that's what I really enjoy. So um so yeah, I think that um you know, some of the international projects ha- add a little more twist, uh, a little more flair to what it is you're actually doing. Now, as a related question, you do. <laughs> And you sparked my interest in something else, too. As it relates to the new rule that Europe has in, in implemented as it, when it comes to um, protection of information, mm-hmm. has that affected you? How and, you know, what does that mean to you now? Well, um Right now, uh, I've I've been mainly working with U.S. agencies um, because I'm moving more into the government space. So you know, county county um, agencies and um, school boards, school districts, things like that. So, but um, um, on my last couple of projects, we did have certain clients that their data um, couldn't cross international borders and the resources that were supporting those systems couldn't be offshore. 
So it would get a little tricky when it came to how we were going to support. You know, as you know, you can. It's one thing to implement a uh, a software solution or a system, but then you have to look at the ongoing support of that um, right. system. And so we did run into cases where the standard support model that was in place for XYZ system couldn't be used because of the particular client and their type of data. So, um, you know, and and especially when you get into clients that have some type of government um, work that they're doing. Uh, So I don't want to go into a whole lot of details about um, the particular clients, but um, let's just say that, you know, when you work on, on like government contractors and they have data that's related to their, their government on their systems, they don't want somebody in a uh, a different country, particular hostile country, accessing their information. To me, that's the most perplexing thing right now, the whole global aspect of data, because we've gone from thinking that the world is shrinking and data is everywhere and interchanging, you know, all over the world, and you can market to anybody anywhere. So all of a sudden we're having um, borders, and I I just can't see how that's really going to be controllable. <laughs> you know, I mean, if you have a IT not an IT but an e-commerce system out there, you have to be sure that you're not getting a purchase from a particular country, and and it's like. Okay, I clicked on my system the other day and realized that the last three or four people that signed up were for outside of the country. And it's like, oh, but uh, I'm only targeting U.S. countries, (laughs) I mean, U.S. um, clients. So it's, uh, I'm not sure how that's... in one sense that we have a farther reach, but then again, in some senses, it's not. So like everything, you have to manage... Uh, manage the uh, the expectations and what it is you're trying to mm-hmm. to deliver, or you know, and I, I think that goes through anything in life. Really, um, you have to be clear on who your target audience is and what your restrictions are and your boundaries, and um, mm-hmm. and make sure you plan for that. And then along the same lines, I'm curious about how the new policies are going to affect travel and. I, I remember when I went to London as a student years and years ago, um, the thing that stuck in my mind is that when we went through customs, I was the only person that they checked because I was the only African-American on the plane, apparently. Um, and I'm feeling that that might happen again now or if it hasn't stopped since then with with not knowing who's an ally and who's not really anymore. And if you get into another country, are they angry with us now? And how is that going to affect travel for business? Well, yes, absolutely. I think it's absolutely something we all should be concerned about. So, um, and I know I've gone on trips to certain parts of the world and felt a little bit uncomfortable with, um, you know, the passport I was traveling on. Um, so, you know, it's just uh, it's just something that 
you have to be aware of and um, just have to be careful anytime you travel or or do anything. And that's not to say leaving the country you're at more risk than when you're right here at home because, you know, um, there are, you know, anyway, we, we could go on for a while about this, but, um, yeah, you know, just have to always keep <clears throat> our uh, eyes open and be uh, be conscious of and what we don't do and leave the country. Going. Don't leave the country thinking you can come back on just your um, driver's license. You have to have every piece of documentation you think you need. Sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. Um, I remember going into Mexico before all of this started, and um, I was traveling with several people. I had my passport. I had my birth certificate. I had everything. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And... At the time, you, you didn't need a passport to get to where we were going. And when we came back through, if I had had all of that, the whole car would have been in trouble because it was in the process of changing. Uh, and wow. Yeah. So it's it's like don't leave anything to chance, even when you think you have that leeway with a particular country um, or right. location. Right. Yeah. Right. But anyway, um so tell me about your NABWIC experience since you've been a, a member. What are some benefits that you've received or realized or shared, or what what has this experience been like for you? Well, uh, as I mentioned uh, earlier in the conversation, it's been a, a, an invaluable networking experience. I've met uh, some very interesting uh, ladies that have their own business, have been in business for a while, and, of course, have been successful and have a wealth of knowledge. And then I also have met people that have been relatively new uh, in a similar situation to myself where they've worked for, um, whether it be agency, government agencies or um, companies, and they are embarking on their own business venture. So it's it's been really... Uh, nice um to meet the full spectrum and range of people and um and then just the access to certain um whether it be certain people at the uh, billion dollar luncheons and um and then also there's multifaceted um programs within NABWIC. so uh it's not just uh, networking with their within our own business. We have the investment club, which I'm a member of. And then, um, and then also, um, you know, lots of other, if people want to get involved in legislative uh, activities, they can. And so that's one thing I really like and appreciate about the organization that they have lots of where, uh, areas and ways for you to grow, but they are all interconnected to, uh, NABWIC uh, to uh, construction and getting business in the construction arena. And what opportunities, changes are you seeing in the construction industry as it relates to what you do? Well, more and more construction companies are using technology in you know different ways, um, particularly a lot of the big uh, contractors. They're using a variety of tools, and I'm learning and understanding about those now. But in this day and age, it's really hard to have a business that's not connected to technology in some way. 
And um, and so that's where I feel uh, I can help and, and our team of consultants because we've had the experience of not only helping the company that we work for use technology better, but we've also helped their clients um, mm. use technology, implement technology. So um, whether it be um, a business problem or process that needs to be solved or enhanced, and you use technology to do that, um, that's where our strength is, and we can help with that, and I think that's true of the construction industry also. Okay. So any surprises since you've gone into business? Um, Surprises? Uh, Well, you know, people always say it's not as easy as it looks, and I think that's true. (laughs) You know, um, (laughs) You think uh, I, I know um, I know at least with a lot of these uh, government agencies, um, they say, oh, go and get a certification, and you know whether it be MBE, MWBE, DBE, whatever it is, and you know all these opportunities will open up for you. And I haven't really seen it be that easy. So, and maybe it's just because I'm still a newcomer to. Um, the entrepreneur um, space. So I'm just really working hard to figure out how all that works and um, and get on the uh, <laughs> the positive side of it. It's funny you should say that because when I became certified and with the Hillsborough County School Board, not school board, but school system, and um, went to my first diversity meeting and I was just thinking that all the doors would just fly open and all these opportunities would just exist. Mm -hmm. No. And especially since (laughs) I have a a non-typically construction type of service. I document the process. You know, it's not something a person thinks, thinks about ordinarily. And I ended up having to go to those meetings simply with the mindset of, okay, I want to see how this process works. And I would just sit and listen. Mm -hmm. And when I was listening to one particular presentation, it wasn't so much about what they were saying as it was, where was I? Oh, my goodness. I'm with a group of people looking at remodeling a school. Well, at that point, I thought of what I do, and that is to take the history of something and bring it to life in whatever form I can do that. So I had started offering a service of uh, legacy walls where you tell the story of the school, the, the individuals at the school, and what have you. And I proposed it to individuals in the room. Well, it took me a year to pull all of that together and get my first wall on the wall. And now I'm getting several requests for that, but I had Mm -hmm. to carve out a space for myself (laughs) because they were thinking about that. But it's something that they need, and my whole thought about it is, you know, you should educate as you decorate. That's my theme as it relates to what goes on those walls. Mm-hmm. And um, that's going over really well, okay. but I had to I had to really 
figure that out because it wasn't dropping in my lap at, and by any means. They looked at me and said, oh, you're an author? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I think sometimes, and in particular with IT too, and when you're around a lot of construction people, they just think, oh, yeah, that's IT, right? And um, kind of brush you off. But I think there are some, definitely some value-added services uh, my company can provide in the general project management space for um, other types of projects too, and and um, not necessarily. I don't necessarily want to put up a bridge or lay a road, but um, there are other services that uh, in construction that we can provide. So we're just working to really get that message out and get it out as clearly as possible. Now, do you venture into technical training or systems training at all? Um, yes, I do have uh, at least two resources that have training background. Um, and so, yes, that's something. And, you know, anytime you roll out uh, new software technology, there's, there's, there typically is a training component to it. So we do have some people that are strong in that area. One of the things that uh, led to my first management promotion came in that arena, I ultimately ended up being the uh, head of a large organization of documentation and training professionals. Oh, but okay. I, I, I was okay. I was in my supervisor's face all the time about the fact that the particular group that they had providing the training were professionally trained and they were polished and they looked good and all that good stuff, but they didn't know what they were talking about. And it was my belief that the best combination was a professionally trained trainer paired with a subject matter expert or an expert, mm -hmm. a subject matter expert who was great at presenting information if you couldn't have both. Mm -hmm. And one day, and I remember the exact day, it was February 8th, <laughs> my supervisor came running to me and he said, you said this was going to happen. The users came unglued. They knew more than the people that were presenting to them. Mm -hmm. And they were upset that they had traveled all from all over the country to mm -hmm. sit before people that didn't know what they were talking about. And I got promoted within a, a week, not a week, but a, within a very short period of time and mm -hmm. combined subject matter experts with professional trainers. And that worked extremely well. I wrote on that for quite a while. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. Yeah. So what are some pivotal moments that, that you can share with us where where your belief system and an opportunity met? My belief system. And I mean, something that you advocate or believe to be the case and then life proved it to be true. Uh, oh, this is an interesting one. Um, I, I don't know. I'd have to um, let me think about that one for a moment and we could go on to another question and come back to that. Another way to put it is, what are some of the best moments of your career? 
Well, I think, um, you know, having a really tough, tough project or a tough problem that we've um, spent a good bit of time, and it's typically a team effort um, because I'm not, Always, I'm not the subject matter expert on a lot of these projects. We usually bring in a team for team of people um, with that expertise, with whatever expertise it is we need, and really sitting down and figuring out how to um, deliver or get from point A to point B in you know as efficient a manner as possible. So. Um, you know, I can think of a number of cases where we've had a, a really big project, a challenging project. It uh, was successful, and it was really a good team, a good team effort. So I, I think that would be the biggest, um, the the most fun projects, I should say. So, in terms of projects that you would like to get, what are what what are the things that you're advocating right now? Where is your your marketing leading you? What are you wanting your clients to know that you can really do? Well, um, we I tend to like uh, some of the projects or at least the systems that the school districts are implementing. I have sat in in a couple of um of uh pre-bid meetings and where they've talked about the um the software solution that they're looking for and the system requirements and I I like those cuz I feel like it helps support the education process and programs and um so those are particularly of more interest to me um then there are others that um you know make uh whether it be the government agency or the community more efficient. And what I'm finding now, there are lots of interesting tools out there that I just didn't get exposure to in a corporate environment. Um, So a lot of systems that uh, support, you know, hurricane preparedness or hurricane relief. Um, There are some uh, um, uh, GIS systems that can monitor whether it be criminal activity or any other kind of activity that you want. And so there's a whole suite or, or ranges of software out there that, um, that again, I didn't see um, in my corporate life that, uh, that have real life um, and real impact on communities and people and, um, and, so, and, and, and children. Uh, so I'm really interested in getting involved in those types of projects. I was just watching someone give a presentation using a design tool that fascinated me too. When I was coding, I used to love uh, diagrams. If, then, else, and, you know, there was only two ways you can go. Either it was a yes or it was a no. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And and then I saw recently where all of that really has been automated, and it's like, oh, how cool is that? You know, click a button mm-hmm. and then it builds it for you. Yeah, so. yeah, there, there's some great stuff out there. Uh, yeah, yeah, and and just some of these apps have a lot of power nowadays. So you, it doesn't have to be the expensive software tool that you buy from X Y Z company. Um, somebody can. Um, Develop an app that solves a real, a real life 
problem or irritant for you. Um, uh, like, for instance, I uh, we had an event recently, and um, a lot of times we go to events and people, everybody's taking pictures with their cell phones now. And mm-hmm. then you want to share the you know, because you don't want to, you know, three, four people take the same picture with the same phone. So then how do you effectively share um that data or those pictures as opposed to texting the picture to two, three people that you, you know, you may or may not have their contact information. So somebody had uh, written a really nice app where um, you pay, you know, X amount of dollars for the, the day of the event and everybody can log in and automatically share their pictures with the other people attending the event. And so that was really nice. And, and there, there were, they, they had thought through all the issues of turning, sharing on and off, and so on and so forth, if you don't want to share everything. Um, but it was really nice because there was a lot of pictures that could have been shared, that are shared with the entire group that, you know, you wouldn't necessarily get by a photographer because that's only one or two people. So um, I just think there's so many opportunities out there for whether it be the the person that's just trying to write a little app that solves some issue or, you know, um, and then there are bigger systems that do more complex things too. Is app writing something that your company does? No, I um, I have not written one specifically, but I do have somebody on my team that's written an app and um and so he uh, understands the entire process and, and the challenges. So we have his expertise uh, should we need that. Okay. I personally might want to talk to you about that because I have something that I have an opportunity to do. And it's partially done, but having something developed with no one to maintain it is an issue. Right, right, right. It has to be maintained. It has to be maintained. Now, when you were talking about the sharing of photographs, it reminded me of the very first time a whole department went to an ASTD conference, and that's the training society and uh, training and documentation. At the time... <laughs> Voicemail had just kicked in for the mm-hmm. for the company, and so this been, this has been a while ago. And the only way we could use it, and we we thought we were just brilliant, that even though we were spread out over the park, what we would do is call into the voicemail, the group voicemail, and tell everybody what's going on and where we would meet and at what time. Well, let's say that 50% of us were on that trip and 50% of us were not. So the 50% that were not on the trip got totally ticked off. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They had to hear blow by blow what we were doing that they didn't get a chance to do. Oh, my goodness. That's funny. So that has come a long way since then. That's fascinating to hear. So usually when I ask a lot of questions, I I know that there's something that I probably have not asked. Is there something you is there something you would like to share that I haven't asked you about so far? What do you want people to know about you and what you do or anything that I haven't asked? 
Well, uh, the main thing is that we're we're a highly experienced team of of project and program managers, and that's what uh, we like to do. We like to help solve business problems, whether it be a business process or business operations, and use technology in a way to um, efficiently move the organization or the company forward and and solve that problem. So um, we don't like to tie into specific solutions because, as we discussed, technology is changing all the time. And in the case of that app I just mentioned, um, it's something relatively new, and it was available for an event two weeks ago, and, and we were able to jump in and use that. So I think that's what we like, uh, we meaning um, our consultants, is that we've all had um, a, you know a rich background of seeing different things work in different scenarios and what uh, you know, do, doing a true evaluation of the organization and the technology and mirroring them up as effectively as possible. How do people get in touch with you? Well, I do have a website, and it's www.graywood.us, G-R-E-Y-W-O-O-D. And, um, and then, of course, my cell phone number, uh, feel free to reach out to me directly, at 678-612-2446. And, of course, there's email, lorna.anderson at graywood.us. Ms. Anderson, thank you so very much for being my guest today. I've totally enjoyed it. Part of it is memory lane for me and then finding out what's happening now and a little touch about what's going on in the future. This concludes our show. Thank you for listening to NABWIC, the National Association of Black Women in Construction. For more information about NABWIC and our membership, please visit us on the web at www.nabwic.org. We are the voice of black women in construction. Have a great and prosperous day. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.